And I said, I said, you wouldn't believe how pertinent that that song is to the teaching today in Romans. It's absolutely spot on. It says, says, you know, about I have the love of Jesus in my heart. Do you know what? That's an actual biblical truth. You know, that is just not a kid's song that, that we teach the children to sing because we've got nothing better to tell them. It, it's, a, it's a reality that, that you and I, right at this very moment, we have that love of Jesus in our heart. And not only that, we have the expression of that love that is in our heart and that is flowing. And, and that's kind of what eventually I, I want to talk to you today about out of Romans chapter 5. And so again, Romans 5, and we're going to look in our text-wise, today will be verses 5 through 11. Um, we might not get all the way down to verse 11, but, but we're certainly going to begin looking at verses 5 and, and following. And so uh, let's pray, and then we'll do a quick review and get back into it. Father, bless the time that we have now in Sunday school. I know that um, our minds are full of the busyness of today. There are people running to get uh, food and preparations even now. And, and there are people concerned about the visitors that they've invited. And all, all this is stuff going on in, in people's minds. I pray that you just settle us down a little bit and give us some peace. And, and Lord, that, that peace is, that calms us and so that we can receive and, and hear from you. In, in Jesus, I, I just pray that your folks would be um, encouraged and taught and edified. But, but Lord, I pray that they would connect with you and that they would sense that presence as they listen for your voice. In, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, last week, we were looking at Romans 5. And we've been there for a little while now, a couple, several weeks. But last week, basically, we talked about suffering and how, how you know, Paul told us that um, as a Christian, when we are justified by faith, we have um, peace with God. There's no more enmity and no, no more wrath. There's no enmity between us and God. There's no more wrath from God towards us because that was all settled by being justified when we came to Jesus Christ in faith. Then we have access. See, we don't, get, we don't just become these uh, lame followers of this God that has no relationship with him. The, the, really, foundationally, the Christian faith is a relationship with the living God. We're not a religion in the sense that we practice a, a list of commands, of regimented things to do to be a part of this religion. Our, our faith, our religion, is a relationship with a living God. Don't, don't signify. But I guarantee you, a lot of you, maybe all of you that are saved this morning, you, you, you exercised that relationship this morning before you came to church. You had some time in the Word. You had some time in prayer. You had, you know, maybe it's just a verse that you meditated on and you said you, you prayed to God. But you, you, had, you have a relationship and that relationship continues all day long, all night long, that we are in a permanent relationship with him. And that's due to being saved. And, and Paul says the, one, another blessing uh, of being justified outside of having peace with God is now having access to this grace that we stand in with God. In other words, that relationship. 
And then, after having that access, he says the third aspect of being justified is that we can rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In other words, that, that we have a hope that is firm and steadfast. It's not a hope like a lot of you guys are having or your kids are having right now for Christmas. I hope I get the gift that I asked for. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but man, I'm anxious that it'll happen. This hope is a firm, confirmed expectancy, you know, that this thing will happen. What is that thing? That we're going to be with God one day. So what's the blessings of you being saved? Well, you have peace with God. You're not at war with Him anymore. You have a relationship with Him day by day through the Spirit because of His Son with God the Father. You are in relationship with Him. And then thirdly is, man, this is not the only thing there is. We don't die, go to dust, and that's the end of it. We, have, we look forward to a, a hope of eternal time with God himself. That's the hope of glory. And Paul said those are the three things that we have. But then last week he asked a question, really. He said, well, if you suffer in your life, does that suffering diminish these three certainties that you have? Because you are in trials in life, because you're carrying a heavy... You know, a tragedy happens, whatever it is. A lot of times... Um, that's, that has specific time frames. But sometimes we're not going through something that is just, you know, a momentary thing. Sometimes we go through a suffering period of time or trial period of time that brings about with it a heaviness. You know, that's what Job encountered. Job encountered a heaviness that, that just weighed him down. And, and, you know, Paul says, when you suffer, when you go through those heavinesses, you know, not just your friend, I'm, I'm just trying to arbitrarily pick something. You know, someone you cared about passed away. You'll hurt, won't you? You'll suffer, not as the world, but you suffer and you sorrow. But, but that, that, that goes away, typically. But there are times of suffering where you feel a heaviness that just doesn't go away. There are people that suffer as believers that they suffer and their weight of burden doesn't leave. Whatever they do, that weight of burden is still there. Paul asks a question. When you're going through those kinds of trials and sufferings, does the certainties that you are to rest upon, your peace with God, your relationship with God, and your hope to see Him in the future in God, do those diminish do those decrease? And the answer was absolutely not. And here's why. And this is what we looked at last week. See, actually, when you suffer and you keep focused on the fact that you have those three things, peace, relationship, and hope for tomorrow, you know, that future with God, because of those things, when you suffer, suffering does not destroy you. It actually leads to perseverance. It gives you a single-mindedness that you actually should, could focus more strongly on those things. That you become single-minded in your Christian life whereby the, the things that might pull you away from your certainties, you actually do not allow them to come into your life. You focus on the things that help you stay walking with the Lord. Suffering leads to perseverance. 
Suffering leads to a change in character. As we persevere along in our faith, do you know what you do? You grow spiritual muscles. You grow a spiritual character in your Christian life. See, suffering leads to that change in character. See, it is the quality of confidence that comes from having been through an experience, the suffering and perseverance, having seen God work in those things, having drawn closer to Him and walked with Him, and you know that He never fails, what does that do? That changes our character and our hope becomes stronger in Christ. When you bear burdens and God gets you through them, you know that you can bear those burdens in Christ. And, and, and it changes your character. Do you understand what I'm saying? Crazy little illustration, but I hope it helps. Anybody like sports in this building? Okay, it doesn't matter if you like football with your feet or crazy football that you play with your hands. Don't ask me why they call it football. I, I, I don't know, but I like it a lot. And I, I will probably be up at 2 o'clock this morning watching a match in America. Anyway, it doesn't matter what sport you, you play. If your team, you know, for the very first time, you know, makes it to that championship game, I mean, they're nervous, aren't they? They've, they don't know what to expect and, and everything's new and everything's challenging. And, and a lot of times those teams that have made it to that championship game in the early kind of uh, minutes of the match, they'll make a lot of mistakes. Or they'll, they'll look, is that my team that, that, that made it to the, to the championship game? They, they look like a, a, a first, first game of the season team playing awful. You know why? Because they don't have the experience at times to deal with these things, and so they kind of wobble a little bit. But you hear, you've heard the stories of the teams that have made it to a second you know, championship game, a second Super Bowl or whatever. You know what they say? They go into that thing with a lot more confidence. You know why? Because they've been here, done that. They've experienced these things, and it has changed that character of the team, and they are stronger and more hopeful because of what they've been through. This is what Paul is saying, that suffering brings about perseverance, and when you persevere in your suffering, that brings about a change in character. And you know what that change in character brings? Hope stronger, okay? And that's what Paul said. It says, all this leads to growth and hope which is a stronger assurance of and confidence in those three things that we have received because we're saved. Peace, relationship, and that hope in the future with God. Suffering removes from us rival sources of confidence in, and, and other things that we might hope in, other places that we might look to or other people that we might look to for our sense of that deep down, I'm okay feeling and that our future is going to be okay see what God does is he allows those things to come into our life to make you what he wants you to be to 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 help you to understand that those things that you have man, you have greater hope in your God because of all that you're going through suffering drives us to the one place where we find real hope real confidence I said this last week and absolute certainty and it drives us to God and this is what Paul's sharing with us, that now that you're saved and you have those things, you can, you can get through your suffering and trials. 
Because as you do, you will grow a stronger character. And as your character grows stronger, you will have greater hope in God. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that a wonderful thing? Now we'll get into what we want to look at today. Romans 5, verse 5 will go down a little bit. Maybe verse 11, not sure. Hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commends, demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's where we'll stop. And we'll carry on in the other verses next week. That's a wonderful set of scriptures. We're getting ready to go to Christmas time. I remember a couple of Christmases as a kid. Um, I had great expectation. You know, I, I wanted, I wanted, you know, I wanted a motorbike is what I wanted. And I'd asked and I'd asked and I, you know, back then you didn't have phones or computers and stuff. You had to do it the old-fashioned way. You had to go get a magazine, right? You old people, you understand what I'm talking about, yeah? You go get a magazine you say, hey, mom and dad. See, that's what I want right there. And, you know, they're like, oh, okay, all right, well, you know, we'll see, you know, whatever. And so, you know, you get these great expectations. And then Christmas morning comes and you run into where the tree and the gifts are. And you're like, I don't see no motorbike-shaped gift in there. And then you open up your gift and because you're a, a teenager and stuff, you get a jumper. You know? Yes, Stephen, that's right. Stephen goes, oh. You know what? What, what happens? Disappointment comes in. See, disappointment comes in because the expectation that you had was not fulfilled. Do you know what Paul is asking or in making a statement about in, ver, in the beginning of these verses here in verse 5? He says, in hope makes not ashamed. See, what, what he's actually asking is this. Is this as, as a Christian, as a born-again believer who, who's got peace with God, a relationship with God, and a hope in God, and that as you go through the aspects of every individual's life, and you will go through things, and as you do that, having these certainties focused in your mind, you get through your trials. And as you get through your trials, you become a more mature Christian. And as you become more mature and being single-minded and purpose in your Christian living, you, you have a change in your character. And that change in your character brings a greater confidence in the hope that you've already had. It becomes stronger. Now he says this, hey, could it possibly be that the hope and expectation that you have in Christ, could, it ever be dis could you ever be disappointed in it? Could, could you ever, could your expectations, when you see him on that day, would they not be met? Could there be a possible way? To, verse 5, hope makes not ashamed. That word ashamed means disappointed, really. So he's asking, this hope that you have, could you ever be disappointed in it? Here's another question. How can you really know that the hope that you have in Jesus is right. Because look, most of you have probably been safe for a while and you've, you've encountered, well, how do you know you're right? Everybody says they have a truth. Everybody says their religious book 
is the Word of God, and their way they say is right, and their way they say is right, and their way is say is they right. Uh, you know what I mean. So the question Paul says is, how do you know you're right? H- how do you know? How can you really know that the hope that you and I have is the right one? How can we know that it is true? Well, here's the blessing. God gives us some things that, that, that solidifies, that, that assures us, that's a better word, that assures us that our hope that we have in God in holding to these certainties is right. How do I know I won't be disappointed now that I've placed my faith in Christ? Well, verse 5, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it from my A.V., where it says, and hope maketh not ashamed. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to translate it into, uh, into an, a modern understanding for us today. And here's what he says in verse 5 in that first part. He says this, now hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. Well, why are we not disappointed? Why won't we have unfulfilled promises? Because we hope in God in our God and here's why and Paul's going to show us this throughout the scripture here the reason we are not disappointed is because our hope is centered in God and his promises and they don't disappoint and God therefore gives to us the gifts whereby we know that our hope is right That we know that our hope is right. I don't know that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life because I've seen him face to face on that cross where he died and three days later I went and snuck by the tomb. I haven't been there. I believe that by faith in the word of God. But see, he also gives you and I as a Christian something solid. Something that we can hold on to. Something that we can sense in our life that gives us an assurance that this hope is solid and that it's true and right and that no matter what trial comes, no matter what burden we carry, no matter what uh, sin we fall into and and fail in and and come back to Him after in repentance, nothing, none of that stuff is going to cause us to be disappointed in our hope in Jesus Christ. And here's why. The Bible says that we have nothing to be disappointed about. Can I give you just a couple verses? You don't have to write them down. You can study them for yourself later. Psalm 25, 3. Indeed, let no one who waits on you, on God, be ashamed, be disappointed. Let nobody who waits on God be disappointed. The scriptural foundation, Psalm 25, again, verse 20 and 21. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed. Why? Because I've put my trust in you. Psalm 22, verse 5. They cried unto you and were delivered. They trusted in you. And guess what? That's the end of it, right? No. The Bible goes on to say, they cried to you. You delivered them, they trusted in you, and they were not disappointed. Their expectations were fulfilled. Christian, listen, listen, do you not understand that in our faith in Jesus Christ that we are absolutely 
never going to be disappointed in our hope in God as we continue to hold to our peace, our relationship, and the fact that we do have hope. We're never going to be disappointed. The Bible tells us all over the place. Look, he said, well, you say, Pastor, all over the place. You just quoted Psalms about three or four times. How about 1 Peter 2? You know what 1 Peter 2 says? Therefore, it is also contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. By no means. So, let's get into the Romans part. We are given two undeniable reasons why this hope we have will not lead to disappointment. You know what? If someone comes to Sheila and says, why is Jesus the right way? There's two things that Sheila can say to them. Number one, you can say, because of what God has poured into my heart. And when he uses that word heart, it means being. So it's just not that emotional thingy that we call our heart, but it is the very being of who we are. And, and, And Paul says in Romans 5, he says, And hope makes not ashamed. We are not disappointed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. What what is the first undeniable reason why this hope that we have will not disappoint us? Is because number one of what God has poured out in our hearts. But he has poured into our lives. That he has placed in us that gives us the security Lisa, can you control yourself over there? No, I think it was Angelo. (laughs) Actually, I'm just talking. I have no idea what happened over there. Anyway, what has he done? What has he put into us? You see, what what Sheila could say to her neighbor when, when, I don't Jan or somebody comes over and says, you know what, I've watched you all these years, you know, go to that little church every Sunday morning. You got your little bag, your little coat, and you're walking at the same exact time. Because you walk in this building just about 10 of every week, you know? And they see that. So, Sheila, why? You know what she can say? Because of what God has poured into my heart. What is that? His love. You, don't, don't, put all, put, don't put that off. Well, the very first thing Paul says that, that we can be assured of our hope will not disappoint us is because the love of God has been shed into our being, has been put into our life. It says there in verse 5, because the love of God by the Spirit of God has been poured. That means absolutely without restraint expressed into our life. It's the love of God. Why does he do that? Let me illustrate. When my kids hurt, you know, uh, last night Micah... Um, for however he did it, I have no idea. But he came out of the bathroom and the tip of his finger was split, well, not split wide open, but pretty close, cut open. And it was cool because blood was all dripping down his finger. And people were going, oh, and I said, oh, man, look look at that, man, that's cool. And he's just bawling. He didn't want to hear that it was cool. I was trying to toughen him up a little bit. And so we took a tissue and, and put it around him. But you know what we ended up doing after I medicated his finger and wrapped it up and just pressed on a little bit? 
he, he cuddled into me and I put my arms around him and I hugged him. That was a source of comfort. That's what Paul is telling you what the love of God is. See, our hope won't disappoint us because God has given us his love into us to be a source of comfort and assurance that our hope is true. Okay? People are looking for answers. One, two, th- one plus one equals God, God is real. Okay? We can't often give them that. We can give them what the Bible says and we can show them principles and we can show them the truth and we can show them our life and we can do a lot of things, but I cannot prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that God is real to an unbeliever. It's done by faith, but you know what God has done for us? He shows us beyond the shadow of a doubt that our hope in him is real because of the love that he sheds in our heart. That's what he's done. And again, please don't take this as a doctrinal teaching, but that's how he hugs you. My hug to Micah last night showed him I cared for him and I loved him. This love that's poured in our hearts shows that God loves us and, we, and that we can sense that love. Yeah, I said that right. That we can sense God's love. We can feel God's love. Why can we do that? Because of understanding what I taught this morning about the Holy Spirit. He's real and he's living. He works in us. He influences our life. He touches our life. He, 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 he communicates to us. And the Bible says that this love that God has for us has been poured into our life by the Holy Spirit. Because of the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Spirit who is given to us. This is His hand. It's His hug. It's His touch. It is His expression to us of His love. A, a good, great old theologian wrote this. God's love, so abundant in believers' hearts, that is what encourages us on in our hope. That God loves us. And because God loves us, His promises are true. And because God loves us, I can continue to hope in my peace and my relationship and my hope that I have to see Him one day. The reason I won't be disappointed is because God has poured love into us through His Holy Spirit. Remember what I taught you this morning? It's not something you have to chase after. It is a person that we already have because we're saved. We have the Spirit of God living inside of us. I don't need someone to spit on a white hanky and drape it over my head 